We're getting close uh, to uh, the end of a series on Romans as a church on Sunday evenings. Uh, so we're, we're deep into Romans, and I'm going to be reading Romans 14, verse 1, and then the first 13 verses of chapter 15. This is God's holy and infallible word, except him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. And that kind of summarizes chapter 14. And the rest of 14 gets into some of the details of that summary statement. And then we go to 15 verse 1, and this idea in 14 continues. Uh, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God's word for us this evening. Brothers and sisters, uh, we're in the very last section of the book of Romans. Uh, In a book filled with deep truths, uh, which you know if you know anything about Romans, there's one more major truth for our living that Paul wants us to know. There's still a chapter and a half left, half of 15 and 16, but there's Paul's not doing much teaching. He's talking about his past missionary journeys, where he hopes to go in the future, and then he has a number of personal remarks and greetings. In our verses, uh, we have what we could call one last truth in Romans. And, And this last truth is about accepting one another in the church. It's about stronger Christians accepting weaker ones and not passing judgment on others in matters that are disputable, as Paul says in verse 1. And then in 14, verse 3, he says uh, we're not to put a stumbling block in anyone's way. This is 
a real priority to Paul, we can tell, because he saves it for the end of his letter and because he spends so many verses on this. It's all of chapter 14 and half of chapter 15. Romans, which is basically a mini systematic theology, has already covered many other truths that uh, we often summarize with the word sin, salvation, and service. We're in that final section, the service section, and it's especially about how we are to live in response to this great salvation that God has brought us. And it, that all starts, that service section, in chapter 12, where Paul talked about developing a Christian mind, which we would all agree is a very important thing indeed, that we, we think according to God's will and ways. Well, he spent two verses on that. And then Paul spends six verses on having a, a right estimate of yourself and on encouraging others. And then he talked about loving others and some of the details of what that might look like in our lives. That's uh, Romans 12, verse 9, and the following 12 verses. Next, we learned about the Christian's relationship to the governing authorities, a huge, complicated, important subject. That took seven verses. Then there were seven verses on right conduct, right living, given that Jesus is returning. Now, we have 35 verses. 35 verses on accepting other Christians, even if they don't have the exact same views and behaviors as we do. So this must be important to Paul. What's going on here? Is Paul taking back all of the deep truths of this mini-systematic theology and saying, well, it's not so very important after all. Just get along with each other. Just accept each other. Doctrine's not that big a deal after all. And, and after all of these chapters, is he watering down the truth with this subject and this calling at the very end of the book. Well, I'm quite certain he doesn't want to water down the truth. He's not giving away the farm. The fact is, this is part of the truth. This is an additional truth he wants us to hear and know. An additional truth he wants to emphasize. Believers, as verse 2 of chapter 15 says, build up each other. Build up your neighbor. Paul's talking about weaker and stronger Christians in the church. And a strong Christian doesn't water down the truth. But he or she knows the truth. Wants to grow in the truth. Wants to be strengthened for living in the truth. So Paul, in this strong emphasis and priority of accepting each other, He's not talking about uh, forever compromising in the church. He's not talking about always sitting on the fence on every issue or, or chipping away at 
uh, the great truths of God for the sake of love. We, of course, have that truth summarized in our confessions. Uh, We call them the three forms of unity, the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, the Canons of Dort. And we want to be strong in the truth as a church. And we're being told here near the end of Romans that there's an essential part of the truth yet that that we need to know. And that is that we accept one another and we're respectful and patient with one another in the non-essentials. In other words, charity towards one another in the truth. It would appear in our day that some Christians and entire churches and even denominations have have watered down the truth. Uh, There are churches that that no longer hold to the atonement and to the sovereignty of God. And sometimes in some churches, it is all about accepting one another no matter what. Love takes such priority, and it's good for love to take priority, but uh, in doing that, you can let go of the truth. and The truth can get watered down. Paul does not want that. There's the other extreme from that approach where there are churches that have their very strong opinions on every little thing. In fact, on the non-essentials. Truth, but no love, no acceptance or, or tolerance for differences of opinion. Even when it's about matters that aren't at the center of the gospel. From our passage, we can tell Paul doesn't want that either. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching us, after we've heard all these great truths throughout Romans, lest we become intolerant as a people, lest we get prideful in all that we've learned, he's saying, Christians accept other Christians and build them up. He's saying that graciousness about differences in the non-essentials is critical in the church. So much so that he spends all these verses on this and saves it for his final teaching in this great book of doctrine and teachings. This truth and loving brothers and sisters is for a reason and for a purpose, as 15.6 and following tells us. It's so that God would be glorified. Holding firm to the truth, plus building up others in the church. That's how we give God glory. And, and there are concrete, positive results Uh, to that combination of the truth and accepting and love happening in the church. According to verses 5 and 6, it results in church unity. According to verse 13, it results in the fruit of the Spirit overflowing in the church. And according to verse 8 and following, it accomplishes the mission of the church. In uh, that section where there were these quotes 
um, we see the sweep of salvation history uh, from the Old Testament, where God focused especially on the Jewish people, to the New Testament and the Gentiles, uh, the nations. As verse 12 says, people will come to know Jesus, the root of Jesse, and put their hope in him. But if believers major in the minors, if, if we cut down our brothers and sisters in the church, if we judge others because they don't do everything exactly like we do, you know what? We'll destroy the unity of the church. We'll be squashing the fruit of the Spirit. We'll weaken the mission of the church and what God wants the church to be all about. To put this all maybe a little bit overly simply, we're being called to hold on to the truth and be kind to one another. Even in the church, uh, we don't always, 100% of the time, do a great job of being kind to one another. As hard as we try different issues, uh, different people and their approach to things, and even different personalities uh, might irk us, we tend to think our way of approaching things is best. That, that's sort of our, our default nature. Um, we want to force that then on others, even if those things are not about uh, the heart of the gospel. It's a challenge, but chapter 15, verse 7 shows us how it's possible. Remember what Paul said there? Accept one another as Christ accepted you. And we know from God's Word that Christ accepted us while we were yet sinners, not likable or desirable in any way and far from God, but by belonging to Jesus and knowing Him, we can gain the power and grace to accept others. This is so important because we're talking about ultimately the glory of our God. And this is to God's glory that we are to hold on to the truth of accepting one another and loving one another. We don't have time to get into all the, the ways and details of how we might apply this to our lives tonight. But uh, we might ask ourselves uh, personally, and in the church, especially uh, elders who lead in the church, um, as we rub shoulders increasingly with others that, that weren't raised in the church or perhaps not raised in our particular church or who don't do things quite like us, but they're Christians. They believe in Jesus. They love Jesus and want to grow in Him. We, we need to ask how are we doing in all of this? Are, are we holding firm to the truth of God's Word? Do we care about it? Are we proclaiming it? Are we defending it? And all of it, including this very practical truth that we're to accept one another in the non-essentials, 
and build up those around us because this brings God glory. And so there might be unity in the church, the fruit of the Spirit overflowing in the church, and so we might accomplish the mission of the church. And uh, just, just as a, an aside to this congregation, um, we're not perfect by any means, but I really I feel like overall we do a good job of holding that balance, and I'd really like to encourage us and our elders and deacons and staff uh, to continue in this holding firm to the truth, not letting it go, even growing in the truth, strengthening our church on the truth of God's Word, and accepting one another. So may God give us the grace uh, to accept, to hold on to, and to live out together in community this one last truth in Romans. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the depth of your word where we learn about uh, the depth of what you have come to do, where we learn about the depth of your love for us. Lord, as Christ accepted us, may we accept one another. May we learn and discern what is critical and core to the gospel of Jesus Christ and what is secondary, what are disputable matters, as your word puts it in Romans 14. Bless us uh, with numerous churches represented here tonight. Uh, Bless us as as Christians in various places um, and and work in our hearts uh, to make us and help us accept and live out this uh, great and beautiful truth that the Apostle Paul spends so much time on in these verses. Bless us in continued worship uh, to give you glory here and from here in our homes, in our places of work, wherever you call us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.